Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Elizabeth Lewis. Elizabeth is an executive performance coach and neuropsychotherapist expert. She helps driven entrepreneurs get 20% more done in half the time. Elizabeth also helps ambitious entrepreneurs reduce fear, achieve peak performance, and grow their top line revenue by 25% in two months. In today's conversation, Elizabeth and I are talking all about communication, the communication mistakes we make as business owners, and how we can build atmospheres of open communication and trust within our small businesses. This is super important if you want to grow an effective team that cares about your business and a team that you don't have to spend all your time micromanaging because who wants to micromanage their team? You want to be happy with them and their performance, right? So let's jump into today's conversation and learn how to do that. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. Yes. Before we jump into today's conversation, can you take a moment and introduce yourself? Yes. So my name is Elizabeth Lewis, as you said, and I work as an executive performance coach specializing in neuropsychotherapy. And ultimately, I help those driven analytical entrepreneurs develop optimistic thinking, gain clarity, increase confidence, and grow their revenue by 25% in three months by using a lot of those neuropsychology principles. I love it. Who doesn't want to grow their revenue? I think it's probably one of those things that might be, some people are a little hesitant about taking the step because it involves digging into yourself and changing yourself, which is the hardest thing to change in a business. Agreed. And it's, to me, it's like mind blowing the older I get that your psychology dictates so much of your life. And that strategy is so, so small. It's like in grade school, they taught us like the wrong um, order of things or something like don't learn the information first, like learn yourself first almost. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I think the more I learn about myself, whether going through leadership programs or just like reading books, I was like, why didn't someone teach me this before? Like, I don't know how old I was when I found out the difference between an introvert and an extrovert. And I just remember being an introvert, looking at people in situations and being like, gosh, why can't I be like them? And then instead of realizing that I'm never going to be like them, embrace who I am instead and use my strengths and everything instead of idolizing someone else and wanting to be like them. That is such a true point. It, I I wish, um, I don't mean not that our brains can necessarily handle it, but I wish that we spent more time in grade school teaching more of the things that kind of matter in the long run, like getting to know who you are, identifying your personality, learning why you do some of the things you do. Maybe that'll happen in the next 10 years though. 
Yeah, maybe. And I think like, like you said, understanding your personality and knowing why you do the things that you do. I think that's so important because when you go and do those things, especially if it's in a classroom or in a group setting, you learn other people's personalities too. And you recognize that, oh, not everybody thinks the way that I do. Not everybody has this perspective or these strengths or approaches things the same way with the same skills. And it makes you kind of let other people bring in their strengths and understand that, oh, that's why they don't think the same as me. That's why they don't have the same opinion. That's why they approach that differently. Yeah. And it's all okay, right? Like that Mm -hmm. difference is what makes the world so awesome and what makes us so unique. And so I would agree, you know, I I wish we had like more um, validation and just owning our own truth and not always needing to be that follower or that sheep, Mm -hmm. if you will. Right. Exactly. So one of the things I know we were talking about before we got on was communication. And I think this is super, super important because I feel like sometimes in small businesses, we talk a lot with our team members, but we don't talk about what's important. And I know one of the areas that you work on is with, you know, performance and, you know, performance development and like all this stuff. And I feel like and hopefully a lot of people are listening agree that when it comes to performance with our team members, it's one of the things that we don't communicate enough about. And we hold it in and we don't communicate until things boil over the top. And then we're like, this person's got to go. Or why did they do this? Or we might even blow up at our team members because we're just so frustrated. And it, a lot of times it's because we didn't communicate at all about that until it was too late or too much to handle. Yeah. I mean, yes. So well said you read my, my brain there, miscommunication and trust issues are the core of most interpersonal relationship issues at the end of of the day. Yes. Yes. So how do we get into that spot? Cause I feel like as business owners, we're the type of people that are going to a lot of times take charge and try things and, and everything. So a lot of times we're the, we're, we are the go-getters. So yeah. why do we fall into these traps with our own employees where then we're afraid to talk about things? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I love studying communication and in all of the communication research I, I do, one thing that is consistently said is everyone thinks they're a better communicator than they really actually are. And um, going back to how we all have different personalities and different styles and the ways of thinking and seeing the world, um, communication is what the listener perceives, not what you've said. And so that's why it's really important to also know who you are speaking to or with and um, kind of changing the verbiage to be best understood by that individual. It's like buying somebody a gift that they're going to want versus giving them a gift that you want them to have. Does that make sense? Yes. No, that totally makes sense to me. I was actually just having a conversation like that with my husband recently. I was like, all right, I know you meant well, but this is what you want me to have and not what I want to have. So maybe we should communicate that a little about that a little bit more. Exactly. You know, and then also like, as you were saying, you know, when you're a business owner, when you're that entrepreneur minded individual, like sometimes we want things to happen so much faster than they do happen. And so when we talk about effective communication, there is this, 
necessary there's this need to need to like slow down to make sure you're taking your time to effectively communicate the expectations the frustrations but you also have to know yourself well enough to verbalize these things i mean how many times have you gotten mad at someone and it took you like i don't know maybe a year or six months a few hours to realize like whoa totally projected all of my issues onto them right right <laughs> You know, as you're speaking, there's so many things that are coming up in my head that I'm just like, yes, this is what like I I try to tell my clients all the time. And first, it's like when we go and write job postings, one of the reasons why I'm like my clients, when they send me a job posting, I'm like, it's good, but we still need to make a lot of tweaks is because I tell them you're writing it from someone who is in the business every day. The person you're trying to hire is not in your business yet. So you you can't speak to them the same way as you would if you were presenting the position to an internal candidate. Right. We need to make it so it connects with someone who doesn't know your business yet, who doesn't know your processes and doesn't know your operations. So it's that same thing of you can't speak from your point of view. You need to understand the other person's point of view if you want your message to get across correctly. Oh my God. Well said. That just gave me like goosebumps. Like the nerd in me is like, yes, a hundred percent because it's, you know, and, and essentially kind of what we're saying there is it's so easy to assume that someone understands what you're saying and gets it when you're right. You have to put yourself in the other person's point of view. Like one thing I tell my leaders when I work with them is, you know, maybe you wanted your employee to communicate A, B, and C, but you also have to take in that whole person. Do they have trauma in their past? Do they know how to communicate? Most people don't know how to communicate effectively. They just, they just don't, especially as we move more into the social media internet world of where, you know, we can just make assumptions and move on. So it's, it's really pressing pause and doing your best to see what are you missing? Right. Right. Yeah. And that's what made me think of this other thing that I like to use this analogy all the time when it comes to training. It's think of watching your favorite movie. And the first time you watched it, you loved it, loved it so much. You wanted to watch it again. And what happened when you watched it the second time you picked up on things that were new to you? Guess yeah. what? That movie didn't change from the first time you watched it to the second time you watched it. But you already had that second time a base level of information that was more than when you went in brand new and fresh. So you were able to process more. You were able to pick up on things that were right in front of you. And so I was like, when you mentioned slowing down. I, that's why I tell people all the time. It's like your team members are not going to get everything the first time, no matter if you use all the correct words or not. So sometimes you need to slow down, break things down or repeat. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is like, sometimes our employees don't have the same passion as the owners, which is fair and realistic if you really think about that and not personalize it. And so it is taking that time out to really get to know your employees. If you have that ability, I encourage people, leaders to, to give their employees assessments, not necessarily for the individual, but for the leader to start to understand some of the generalization of each personality so that you can talk to them in a way that they comprehend. Because it, it, I would rather you spend time molding and training someone than constantly hiring and firing because that wastes more time and money in the long run. Right, right. Exactly. That's what a lot of my clients, they'll ask about personality assessments during the hiring process. And I always have to be clear, we're not going to use it early on to weed out candidates. That's not good. But I was thinking, 
But I say at the end, let's do that. If you really want to, we'll do them there. And part of the reason I tell them is, so you know how to manage this person before they come in. You know how to talk to them. You know what that onboarding and training needs to be like. And also sometimes my clients, they're really small. So it's so it's to the point of, okay, if this is only your second employee, you're going from a team of two to a team of three, how easy do they fit in with the culture that you've already created? And how easy does their personality match with your personality? Because we don't want with some of our early team members to get so drastic that then you're having to reinvent yourself in order to work with this person if there's another candidate that's closer to to what how you communicate so you can have that easier bridge when you're learning how to manage a team in your business. Yes, exactly. There's only one assessment that I encourage people to to leverage before they hire someone and and the only reason I encourage that one is because it scores the person on 24 um psychometrics that then compare them to the job at hand. But you're so right at the end of the day. And, and all these assessments too, you got to hold them loosely because if somebody has the is willing and has the ambition and and is willing to implement all of that, they can become a rock star. Right. right. And so it's like, are you willing to work and nurture with someone too? Because like think about when you met your husband, right? Like you guys, the first day I have no idea how you met your husband. So I'm totally speaking <laughs> my butt here. But, you know, typically when we first meet someone, it's not like, yes, we understand everything and we get it right. It's the compound effect. It takes time. It's slowly moving forward. It's wanting to make things work. And so it's really having that willingness to work with the people you hire. It's it's almost like this is like a mean analogy, I guess, if you take it the wrong way. But it's like if you're going to adopt a dog take care of it. Don't just like, you know, get rid of it after 48 hours because it didn't do what you wanted. Where can you change? Where can you grow? Because it's it's a two-way street. Being a leader is hard. I, when I was the vice president of a company, I used to tell people like, um, uh, I, I feel like I'm a stepmother of all of these kids and I've got to organize all their problems and get them help and get them collaborating more effectively. And it, it just takes time and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. It is, but it's something that you need to do. Like you said, if you want effective teams, like you can't just expect people to come in and do the tasks and be great at it and be happy. They need to be nurtured. They need to feel valued. So that way they actually stay with you and yeah. they make your customers feel valued. Yes. And essentially kind of what I always encourage people to do is, is park the transactional relationship and develop a real interpersonal relationship with that individual, go out and have coffee with them here and there, take your employees out to lunch when you can. I mean, I know we work in a remote world, but, but make sure you get to know that person and their communication style outside of that like sterile work environment. Cause that can be like intimidating, especially if your employee wants to do their best, like learn how to kind of like let the walls down so that everyone can kind of just find their place. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. So I think even as we go into a lot more companies hiring remote employees and being open to that, it comes to the question of location still. You can still have, say, you can work remotely, but you need to be in the same city or the same general area so you can have those interactions. So you can get together and have coffee and face-to-face -face meetings every once in a while, or you can let people be all over but still then invest in flying your employees into a central location. Maybe it's yes. once a quarter or twice a year. So you have those interactions. But even in that remote environment, still making sure that you're building those relationships 
on in a way that you can based on how you're working together. I know my very first remote team member, I did a horrible job building the relationship because this is when I was in corporate. Every one of my team members was in the office with me except one. Yeah. And it was like, oh my goodness, I actually have to put effort, different effort into building a relationship because we're not passing each other for coffee. I'm not seeing the pictures on their desk and asking, oh, you have a dog or stuff like that. So it was just like, it took effort. And I didn't realize at first until I was like, wow, this relationship's not super strong. Isn't it amazing how like the lack of water cooler conversation can create um, such a distance in a relationship, um, I always encourage people like be blunt about communication in the sense of like, ask them, how would you like to hear feedback? What's the best way of talking with you when you're, cause I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but some people get really fixed in on their narration and what they're seeing. And it's like, okay, when we're miscommunicating, what can I do to like get you like out of that, like intense focus to see the forest for the trees or whatever the saying is. I like to butcher them sometimes. <laughs> I always forget which way it's like, see the trees for the forest, the forest for the trees. It's like, it goes either way, depending on what you're talking about. And I'm like, I have no idea. Exactly. As long as you get the point. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's, it's super important. And like going back to the assessments, when I was first introduced to the personality assessments and everything back in my corporate days, we did the disc profile. And it taught me so much, like a few different things is like you mentioned, it's, it's kind of that, that passion and what they can do with it. I was managing a team of account managers and my team's assessments were all over the place. Yeah. And I had a number of rock stars on my team. So if you look at it and say, only people that come back with these results can do this job, you're short, you're short sighting yourself. That's not true. It's like you said, it's how they use those strengths. It's how they apply it to the job. Um, I was working with a client, I think about two, three years ago now, and they were hiring someone in sales and they wanted that assessment because they wanted to see, can this person be a salesperson? And we then also pulled the assessments for their team. And I was just like, look at this, like one of your people on here has the profile that you say can never succeed in sales. And they're a rock star on your team. They're meeting their quota all the time. Why? Because they leverage their strengths to make the connections that are needed for sales. They're not going to go to every random networking event and meet new people every day, but they're going to deepen the relationships they have. So they have more referrals than anybody else because that's how they rock the sales game. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, so well said it, it when you have high performers on your team, this is where you need to communicate and ask them, what do they want? And you just keep them happy, assuming you can have that ability. Everything's a compromise too, but yes, agreed. Yes, definitely. All right. So I want to go back, like we talking, we're talking a lot about communication and we talk about how we really need to be open. We need to have those lines of communication open and I feel like the one area that we kind of started talking about and then we got away on a lot of like really good stuff is when it comes to actual performance issues. So there's a real issue going on. What are your tips for actually being able to communicate about those issues? Because a lot of those other things we're talking about, it's it's kind of the positive. I want to get to know you. I want to build you up. I want to do all this stuff. And it's coming from that positive line. But then something happens and it has that negativity to it. Yeah. What are what's your advice around that? Well, first off, I always encourage people to speak in a loving tone. 
Um, you can be firm and loving simultaneously. One thing that you have to remember is you want that person leaving feeling just as worthy as when they kind of got there, if not more worthy, right? Assuming assuming that. Because I think we've all been spoken to and started to feel like questioning our self-worth after the conversation. So make sure to do your best not to attack the person. And this is where you also want to kind of get ahead of it. The second you start to have concerns about an employee's performance, call them in, have a conversation and really ask questions to get understanding. I always encourage people to ask permission to ask questions so that we start to diffuse the brain from being defensive, avoid asking why questions because that can trigger a lot of people, but have an honest conversation. Sometimes it could be expectations are unclear. Sometimes it could be, um, I mean, uh, honestly, it could be any, any number of things, but first it's asking, okay, like, I'm noticing you're doing this and I need you to be doing this. What's the disconnect? How, you know, talk to me about this. And so you're really trying to get data versus making judgment. So leveraging that curiosity, asking open-ended questions and not attacking the person or speaking in that like rough or aggressive or even like stupid like tone, which is easy for us to do when we feel like somebody, it, it, it's easy for um, business owners to do when they feel like somebody might be causing issues in their company. Right. Yeah. Cause we look at it, you're causing issues in my company and that's costing me money and I don't want to be wasting money, but yeah, I really love everything that you said there, Elizabeth. Like there's so many things like first off, like, you know, asking questions, don't assume anything. Don't assume, you know, why that mistake was made or why they're screwing up. Because some of the things like when you ask those questions, you might uncover that there's a process inefficiency that needs to be corrected, that they don't have access to all the data or going back to what we talked about is they're coming from a different perception. So they're doing it the way they thought they should be doing it. But that's just because they interpreted your direction differently. Yeah. And like, did you give them adequate training? Like, did you really give them the attention that they needed? And did you train them in their learning style or your learning style? Right. Yes. That's all important. Yeah, that's that's super important. It's like, what is their learning style? And it doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean you need to rewrite the training for every person that goes through it. It's just mm-hmm. making sure that you're connecting and making sure when you're going through the training that they're actually comprehending it. Yeah. And then I always like to, you know, have an accountability question like, you know, what can I do to help you get better or how can I help keep you accountable? You know, create that partnership in the questioning too. Um, but if the performance continues to not be what you're wanting and you've assumingly done everything you can, I mean, this is unfortunately the frustration of hiring, especially if you just leverage resumes because people can can tell you that they're all that in a bag of chips, but when push comes to shove, um, there's nothing in the bag. There are no chips inside of it. And so sometimes that's what happens. But at the end of the day, it's learning how to clearly communicate your expectations and learning how to trust that person. And again, this is where I say, like, if you know their personality traits, especially if if the 24 of what I help people with, then you can, you can, put in very specific things in motion to help grow their personality and their abilities, assuming that they're wanting to, to start to close that gap. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of this just takes time. That's like the worst news we can tell people. Right. What you mean? Uh, my new employee is not going to be perfect 24 hours after they start? 
Yeah. yeah. And, and also micromanaging. I can't, I don't know if you run into this, but I, I run into so many small business owners who micromanage and I'm like, work on your trust issues. Right. Right. And they're like, well, things can't get done if I don't micromanage. And I, I always tell them you've built this cycle of micromanaging. You've taught them not to move forward until they have your permission, until you review things. So, cause before they did it and they probably got in trouble. You probably said, why'd you do that? Or stuff like that. So you taught them not to move forward. So now they're not going to move forward without you. So you're going to think that you need to do it in order for them to take the next step. And they're waiting on you because you've trained them not to take that next step without you. Exactly. Or you just create a culture of toxicity because nobody wants to be micromanaged at the end of the day, especially high performers. No one does. And also like I have to tell people all the time is you're hiring typically because you're lacking time in your business. So don't go and replace your time from doing the task to now micromanaging the task. Because if you if you're doing that, you're wasting your money because you're not getting anything additional. Yeah, it's so true that that that's really well said. That, that, there's a few people I I, I um, would totally tell that to, and I can just see their faces being like, "Wait, what?" Because you're not just wasting your money; you're also wasting your time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but then sometimes I feel like there's the complete opposite where you you get so hands off yeah. that people are like, "Okay, well then I'm gonna." do it this way. You've only told me A and B. I have to figure out what is C, D, E, and F. And then after the fact, you come back, well, no, what I needed for C, D, E, and F was really this. And then they have to go back and redo it. Like I had a manager like that in the past. And you're just like, if you wanted it this way, why couldn't you just tell us the first time? Because now I need to go back and reconnect with everyone I talked to because I didn't get the information that you really wanted, but you didn't want to tell me that you wanted because you didn't want to come off as a micromanager. I would, I would agree. I've, I've had a few managers where like I would do a, and then I would check in with them and they'd be like, no, I wanted L and Q done. And I'm like, that was never communicated. And sometimes what I'm, I learn is that the people above the manager are so unclear about what they're wanting. And so this is where it comes into as leaders, part of communicating is owning when you mess up and communicating that and not shaming anyone, not shaming yourself, not beating yourself, but being optimistic about it, realizing it's not a permanent situation. You can fix it. For the most part, everything is fixable at the end of the day. And then just recalibrating and moving forward. Because as a leader, if you can own your mistakes, you're more likely to encourage your fellow employees to do that, especially if it's a safe, healthy, cultural environment. Right. Exactly. Because think about it this way. I think When our employees mess up, a lot of times we think there was ill intent. You maliciously did something wrong. And that's not the case because when we make mistakes, it was, oh my gosh, I didn't see that. I overlooked it. I clicked on the wrong thing. You're never like, well, I just did that on purpose. You literally made a mistake because you're human and you make mistakes. So when you own up to it and you realize that you're capable of making mistakes, it's that your team members can be capable of making mistakes too. And there was no ill intent. When there's mistakes sometimes are made and errors are made, I sometimes say like, look at the situation, ask the questions, find out what happens to find out, does something need to change or was it truly just human error? And yes, human error sucks when it happens, but it's going to happen. Yeah. So, so well said. And um, you said something really powerful there that can help leaders communicate better, which is if you have the narration that when somebody messes up, it's because of malicious intent, 
right there tells you that you have a hostile bias to a degree. You have negativity, you have pessimism, you have low trust, probably some depression in there. And so that's something as a leader, leader, if that resonates with you, you would want to work on changing your explanatory style, the meaning you make out of things, that narration. This is where cognitive behavior therapy is brilliant so that you can have more of an openness to things versus being quick to judge and participate in that automatic negative way of thinking that can just make our lives so much more crappier than it needs to be, which then is obviously going to impact our communication. Because when you don't feel good about yourself or when you feel under attack or when you're stressed, you can become an a-hole to people. Right. Right. Exactly. I know um, one of my employees the other month, she had an assignment where she was working on a spreadsheet and she did something and all of a sudden everything got thrown off in the spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I have no idea what happens. And luckily, like she was open and honest. She was like, can you help me figure this out? Because I don't know how to correct it because I don't know what I did to cause this. And we were able to figure it out because we worked together on it. And it was like, okay. And unfortunately, it was one of those things where we couldn't easily go back and redo it. But I had a, I could go back and pull up a previous version of it. And it was like, we're just going to have to go back to before the mistake was made and redo the work that was afterwards. It's the only way we can get back to what we need. But she could have never said anything. And then it would have been like, who knows, months later where all this work would have been done on the spreadsheet. And we're like, why is all this stuff thrown off? Why are things not in the rows and columns not matching up like they're supposed to be? And But because she felt comfortable telling me that something happened I made a mistake somewhere. We were able to fix it before it involved ridiculous rework. Yeah. And that's a great example. I'm so happy you shared that because the fact that you met the person with positivity and love, like that is so important. People forget that businesses are made out of people at the end of the day, and they can only be as good as their people. And if you can create a psychologically safe space with your employees and can make sure that you part of creating that is communicating it too. It's amazing how much more productivity, the fact that she was willing to say that that's where you would want to encourage them. You would want to like thank them for it, right? Show with humility. It's so important to take that time to be like, I appreciate you doing that. And, and really just never coming at somebody with that anger hostility. I try to tell people this is more for like romantic relationships, but it really goes across the board. You should never be afraid to tell someone something. And if you are, that's a sign that there's some toxicity in the relationship and you want to neutralize that as soon as possible. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Once again, like communicating when things aren't going well and you're noticing those performance issues and everything and being, being afraid to talk about them and understanding that there's an issue there. And I know sometimes the issue is we're just trying to figure out the right words. We want to be people focused and we don't want to upset people. And sometimes it makes it worse. And one of the ways that it makes it worse, and I have been guilty about this before, is I don't talk about it with my team member, but who do I talk about it with? Maybe my husband, maybe my business bestie, someone else. And it's always like those super frustrating things. So that, that issue is still taking my time. I'm still talking about it. I'm just not talking about it to the person who can do anything about it. And if I talk to my team member, we can create a path to fix the issue, but instead she doesn't even know there's an issue. 
but yeah, everybody I, else does. And, in a <laughs> and way, I'm getting more and more frustrated with it. Right. And in a way, we're kind of talking about gossiping. Like gossiping is a huge topic that people kind of see like one uh, angle of. And, you know, one of the best things you can do is go to the person you have the issue with in privacy, give them the benefit of the doubt. If things don't change the first time, then bring in someone else as like a mediator so that you can get that other thing. But it, it gosh, I feel like you just summarized so many of our, of, of humanity's relationship issues of going to everyone, but the person you have the problem or the issue with first. Yes. Yes. Build that trust and make sure you communicate effectively because it's going to save you time. It's going to increase performance and it's going to make people happy to be on your team. Yeah. And part of communicating effectively is being assertive of what you're saying. So many leaders kind of say, like you were saying, like they don't want to upset people. They don't want to do this, but notice the negative focus there. Notice the avoidance behavior of you're trying to not do something versus trying to do something. And this is that power of of human of humanity, right? We are supposed to have positive approach goals. So we want to make sure that all of the things that we're doing are going to that positive way of being, being versus that avoidant way of being, which is so easy to do, especially if you struggle with perfectionism or rejection or some of those other neuroses in the mental health world. Yes, yes. Uh, I feel like we could talk about so much more today, Elizabeth, but we have to start wrapping up. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Yes, um, you can go to Elizabeth Lewis, L-O-U-I-S dot com. I'm also on LinkedIn and my handles for Instagram and Facebook are at Elizabeth Lewis Coaching. So very much online. Yes. All right. And of course, all those links will be in the show notes. All right. One last question that I love to ask all my guests, Elizabeth, we have all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us, whether in our personal lives or our professional lives. Think of a leader or manager that has stood out to you and share one thing about them. Yeah. It, uh, gosh, he was my first, um, I worked for him. I, I don't, I don't even know how to, what, what I would put him under, but he was uh, an owner and I worked really closely with him. I guess in a way I was like his, um, oh gosh, I forgot the word. What's it called? Like, oh man, I can't think of the word where like apprentice, I was like his apprentice in a way. Um, and what he taught me is it was his job to put his body on the grenades. Like if I made a mistake or something foolish, he took it. He always was the one to put in, put himself on the grenades and his selflessness and his ability to always be calm when he was communicating and just very specific with communication, almost to the point where it's a little painful at times, was so appreciative because I'd never seen someone be so patient as they're at this time I was learning his way of doing things. And sometimes I would make mistakes and he would always own it and be like, Nope, that was on me. It's cool. I didn't communicate this well, or just, just so cool to see someone be so protective of their team. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that something you said is so important there. It's on me. I didn't communicate it. Well, we need, everyone needs to practice that look in the mirror today and say that out loud so you can learn to say it with your team because there's a lot of times as we talked about it's because you didn't communicate well and that's why things went wrong and we need to open up that communication and not be afraid to talk build that trust so yeah. that way you can have the teams that you want yes yes all right well thank you elizabeth for joining us today on the growing your team podcast thank you so much for having me it was a delight are you ready to hire a new team member for your business and you want to ensure 
you hire the person who can succeed in the role, make you happy, and positively impact your bottom line, then set up time and let's talk. Because this is exactly how I help business owners like you. When you go through my hire framework, not only will you learn how to attract candidates who have the passion you desire, but you'll be able to identify and select candidates who have the skills you need and can succeed in the role. Going through this consulting process not only helps you find the right new hire for your current open position, but it teaches you how to repeat this process with every new position you add to your company as it continues to grow. So if you're a small business owner who is ready to hire, has a rough idea of the position you need to add, and you're tired of going through the hiring process only to end up with bad fitting team members, then let's talk. Send me an email at jamie at growingyourteam.com. That's jamie, J-A-M-I-E at growingyourteam.com or head on over to growingyourteam.com slash jumpstart and let's talk about your hiring needs. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.